Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the first Heredity podcast of 2022 with me, Dr. James Bergen. Inbreeding between a small number of individuals is often considered to be a bad thing, especially in conservation programs. But is that always true? Could there? in fact, sometimes be a benefit to inbreeding? It's an interesting question, and the focus of today's episode, as we explore the recent heredity paper, Genetic Purging in Captive Endangered Ungulates with Extremely Low Effective Population Sizes. And for the first time in a while, we are joined by all of the authors on this fascinating study. Welcome to the Heredity Podcast. First of all, can you all just introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Eugenio. I'm a postdoctoral researcher in the University of Edinburgh, particularly while well, I'm working now in the Institute of Evolutionary Biology with Peter Kidley. Oh, well, I'm Aurora Garcia Dorado, and I work in the Universidad Complutense de Madrid. I uh, have always worked in population genetics, evolutionary and quantitative genetics. And in the last decade, I have been in particularly interested on the consequences of the reduction in population sizes of endangered populations and their consequences on conservation. Okay, my, my name is Eulalia Moreno. I am full professor in the Spanish Research Council. And let's say my main topic is conservation and evolutionary ecology. And for the last 20 years, I've been working on the conservation of these ungulates that we do have in our facility in Almeria. Mm, fantastic. Well, thank you all for joining me. And I guess we'll get to those ungulates in a moment. But this paper is focused on something called genetic purging, which I'm not sure if everyone listening will be fully aware of. So to start off, what is genetic purging and why is it interesting? Well, genetic purging is a consequence of inbreeding, which occurs parallel to inbreeding depression, because inbreeding causes an increase in homozygosis, and homozygotes express more recessive deleterious effects. So that causes two consequences. One is inbreeding depression itself, and the other is that these homozygotes are a target where natural selection can act against those recessive deleterious effects. So the opportunities for selection are increased, and that increase in natural selection that occurs due to inbreeding is what we call genetic purging. Hmm. Perfect. And I guess, why do you want to study it? Well, we all are interested in genetic purging because it's very relevant to the evolution of the fitness and the reproductive potential of population and in particular of endangered populations. And we think that during a long time, uh, it has been assumed that it was not relevant, but we think it's really relevant for conservation. Fantastic. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago that there are four species that you're working on in this paper. Um, and I'm really curious as to what these species are and why you chose them. The story of these ungulates in Almeria started in the mid-70s, where some individuals of these species were housed in the Spanish army places because the former Spanish Sahara and in trying to save these species from extinction, 
Professor Valverde, who was a very, very relevant ornithologist in Spain in those days, uh, tried to bring all these animals to Spain to try to save, as I said, uh, from extinction. So in Almería, the Spanish Research Council has the right place for housing these individuals. They came first two species in 1971 and then the other two species in 1975. Since then, up to now, we have been trying to to reproduce uh, these species through what we called a captive breeding program. It is some kind of intensive management program coordinated by an European association, which is named the uh, European Association of Zoos and Aquaria. And we do manage uh, the programs of these four species, three gazelle species and one a caprine species. They are moho gazelle, the biggest uh, gazelle species in the world, Cuvier's gazelle, uh, Dorcas gazelle, and then the fourth one is not a gazelle, as I said, is uh, a bobby, the difference is a caprine, it's a Barbary sheep. All of them are uh, North African endemic species. And since then, we do have these species here. But in reality, for all these species that we've managed in more or less the same way, all of them, as I said, came from very few founders, from two to five, three of the four, and then from about 60, the fourth one. And as Aurora said at the beginning, the main problem with populations coming from few founders is increasing inbreeding, which can produce inbreeding depression. But we, in these 40, 45 years that we've had these species in Almeria, uh, we have shown that some species have uh, inbreeding depression in some, let's say, fitness trait, but not other species. And why do this happen? We didn't know exactly. Uh, we suspect that uh, we suspected that purging were playing a role, but we weren't sure. So uh, that is the reason why we started this study to see whether we were able to clarify the, the situation in the four species we house in La Jolla Field Station. Mm, fantastic. They are. I uh, googled them earlier and they all are very beautiful animals. The main thing though is the genetics and the science. So I'm really curious as to what you actually did to study genetic purging in these four different species. Um, all the source material we used actually came from population studbooks. This is like very detailed pedigree records that they keep locked in experimental station of Arizona in Almeria. Uh, they record very detailed information of past and present individuals from the 70s actually. Uh, it includes genealogical records, also date of births, deaths, uh, locations, and other many detailed data. And from there, uh, we were able to de deduce the pedigree structure of the populations and also infer fitness traits, like, for example, a 15-day survival, which is the main fitness trait that we use in this study. The main idea to investigate working in these populations, in these pedigree populations, is that uh, we fit the observed fitness pattern to a theoretical expectation built under the assumption of no purging, so just inbreeding depression, and also under the assumption of purging, numerically exploring a wide range of possible values of a parameter that uh, determine, determines uh, the intensity of purging, which we call uh, the purging coefficient. This method, uh, this approach, works as, as follows. You can think of it as a, a regression model. The response variable would be uh, fitness, and the dependent terms include fitness in the non-inbred population and also includes inbreeding and also other covariates that you may include in the model, like, for example, uh, maternal inbreeding, 
whether there was veterinary care or not, or the sex of the individual, and I think any other uh, factor that you may, may think that is relevant to fitness in the population. It was mentioning that in this model, everything was, as I mentioned, built on different assumptions, with working or without it. Maybe uh, later Aurora can also elaborate on this uh, perked breeding coefficient. But at the end of the run of this model, we will collect the results uh, with the maximum likelihood, and then it's associated perking coefficient estimate, and also any other estimate like breeding depression rates, which will be the slope associated with breeding in our model. And the significance of forking was simply determined by a, a likelihood uh, ratio test, uh, comparing the best fit and the assumption without forking. Mm, fantastic. And I guess the sort of exciting part is what you found. So what were you finding in terms of patterns of genetic purging in these four species? Okay, so I would say that the major result is indeed that for Two of the, uh, of the four species, we found significant estimates of uh, the purging coefficient. This was in Cuvier's gazelle and also in the gazelle. And coming back to our methods, to the model that we just talked about, what an estimate of purging higher than zero means, or significantly higher than zero, is that purging breeding coefficient estimates, this parameter of the purging breeding coefficient, estimates better, better fitness change than the standard inbreeding coefficient. And following inbreeding purging theory, this means that fitness will not experience a substantial depression in the long term and could be partially recovered. So it actually changes our expectation on long-term survival of small populations, which is a big deal in conservation. Indeed, we did not observe a systematic fitness decline in any of the four populations. That, uh, that's another relevant uh, result in this study. Or maybe there was a slightly decline in the very first generations in one of the species, in Damagacel, but then fitness recovered and maintained very uh, fairly constant value in over generations. And also more generally, maybe uh, we find also important that purine could be actually detected in, in some populations, despite them having low effective population sizes only after about 10 generations of maintenance in captive breeding. Mm, yeah, fascinating. And something that I found really interesting is that you are finding different genetic patterns in the four different species. And I guess they're all quite similar species. So I wonder why you think you're finding these different patterns of genetic purging. I would say that maybe a, a major factor here was the differences in the effective population size precisely. So in, in, in the two species where the purging was significant, uh, the population, effective population size estimate was around 10 or 15. But for example, in one of the species where purging detection failed in Parvary Sheep, the effective population size was actually only four individuals. So one could think that maybe drift overcame selection in this case because very, a very small effective population size. But actually, we, we didn't find either immune depression in these species. So it's actually more rational to think that maybe strongly deleterious alleles were part in the wild population before the starting of the captive breeding program. That's, that's one, of the, one of the species. In other species, uh, in Dorcas Gazelle, the effective size was closer to 40. And in these circumstances, I think that we will expect working actually, but it will delay more generations because inbreeding builds more slowly. So we also derive this, this formula in the, in, the, in the article that is a, well, it's a, a proposal for a minimum number of uh, generations to start detected purging. Uh, taking this approximation, we actually uh, would expect to find purging in this species only until at least three or more generations of data are collected. Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. And I wonder how you think this study might help with the conservation and management of these four species, and I guess more broadly in conservation activities. Well, I, I will speak more in general than for this species because Eulalia is, of course, the person that has more to tell about these four species. But in general, in conservation management, is being assumed that purging is quite relevant. And therefore, the protocols for management in captivity assume that 
all you have to do is to maximize genetic diversity because any protocol that minimizes the rate of inbreeding and maximizes genetic diversity will also maximize feedness. But the problem is that some of these protocols, in fact, are hampering purging and that effect can be very severe. For example, a very common protocol is minimum kinship. And in that protocol, what you do is choosing breeding individuals so that the average kinship in the breeding group is as minimum as possible. What you are doing is determining which many offspring each parent is going to contribute to the next generation according to this criterion. If you get this, this contribution becomes independent of individual fitness. It doesn't depend on the parent's fitness. It depends on his kinship with the rest of the group so that it relaxes natural selection and relaxes purging. And this method can be, of course, the option when you have a very endangered populations with low reproductive potential, with low numbers, because then genetic diversity is being lost very quickly and inbreeding depression is going very fast. And even purging could be scarcely efficient because drift is very important. But in the medium term, if you keep on going with this procedure, the relaxation of purging can be very relevant because at the end, if you continue with these approaches, the expected fitness is the same as if you have very small sizes. You will take longer to reach to that, but the fitness would decline the same as if you had a, an effective size four, for example, because purging is not operating. So I think our results would mainly show is that even in a small population, purging is able to substantially reduce the inbreeding load that hides in populations and therefore can prevent an important fraction of inbreeding depression that if purging is allowed by the protocol. So in the medium term, some kind of compromise should be reached between minimizing kinship, for example, and allowing some selection for, in particular, reproductive fitness. Should I say that in captivity, it's difficult to put in concert sometimes, not always, but sometimes, maintaining the genetic diversity as high as possible and to follow the needs of the captive breeding program. I'm saying that because Almeria is some kind of special facility. 98% of captive breeding programs of endangered species are carried out in zoological institutions. And zoological institutions do not have the facilities that we have here in Almeria where we can decide how many individuals we do want to have per species because zoological institutions are also a business and that is some kind of constraint, including constraints in money, but also in a space because you cannot have as many individuals per species as the captive breeding program should have to maintain the optimum size of the population trying to have the best genetic diversity. But I should say that our results in this study, from the point of view of someone who is working in captivity, is very important because now we have some proof that some management practices, some husbandry practices can be changed or should be changed to improve genetic diversity in the whole population. Because although the best thing to do to maintain genetic diversity when the population came from very few individuals is to try to use a recipe 
for all the species. But once you know the population in deep, then you can, let's say, change a bit that recipe and do, as Aurora said, let selection to act. Because although it is not always possible, probably it is possible more times than practices. You know what I mean? And that is important. As, as Aurora said, that is exactly what we did several years ago with Cuvier's Gazelle and a little bit after with Dame Gazelle. It's just to try to make a little change, not very bad for the whole population management in theory. And now we know that in practical terms as well, but to let some natural selection to act in captivity that we do know is difficult to do, but we should try, as, as Aurora said. Emphasize something. I think that Aurora and Aurelia made the same points. There is just one thing that also has, I think, implications in evolutionary biology. It has been already proposed in other articles, in other previous works, that there is something like a minimum viable population size below which a population cannot survive in the long term. And I think that results in our study contradict that somehow because purging actually our selection allows to remove part of the inbreeding load in small populations and that can have a high impact in the survival of populations in the long term. And in that regard, I think that our results support and encourage conservation efforts also in small, very small populations, no matter their size. Mm, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of brilliant things in this paper. And I think you've given a really amazing overview of the importance of this work. And hopefully now people will be encouraged to go and read the paper and apply some of these lessons to their own conservation efforts. And just to finish up, I wonder if you could remind us of the title of your paper, but also just tell us about anyone else who's involved in bringing us this study. Paper's title is Genetic Purging in Captive Endangered Ungulates with Extremely Low Effective Population Sizes. Authors working in this project are Eugenio López Cortegano, Eulalia Moreno, and Aurora García Dorado. We will join today the podcast and we are very grateful for the opportunity to present our work here. Oh, I'm, I'm very grateful that you took the time. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to you for the opportunity. Thank you very yeah, much. It's been an excellent experience. <laughs> Thanks to Eugenio, Aurora, and Eulalia. You can find their paper on the Heredity website. That's nature.com forward slash hdy. While you're there, you can also check out how to submit your own papers to the journal. Heredity is the official journal of the Genetic Society. You can subscribe to the Heredity podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter. That's at Heredity Journal. If you want to get in touch with me directly, drop me an email at hereditypodcast.gen at gmail.com. I'm James Bergen. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.